You're listening to a Destiny Park Media Podcast. Shut the door, have a seat. It's time for Dad Men. And I'm I'm Dad Men number one, and joining me today is Dad, uh, Dad Men number, number two. two. <laughs> That's right. Go ahead and introduce yourself there, compadre. My name is Mike Jolla, one half of Dad Men. Welcome, everybody. You're the actual father, so you're... I am the protagonist. You're more than a half. <laughs> <laughs> you're the, uh, you are the son Goku <laughs> of this podcast, and I'm... Uh, I are you am, Krillin? Ah, uh, oh, fuck. Hey, fuck you, man. No, no, I love Krillin. <laughs> I'm a big, yeah, I'm, okay, I'm, Krillin's great. I'm a but, big fan. Yeah, he's a, he's actually, um, you know, I was rewatching the Frieza arc recently. Yeah, yeah. Of Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> um, and, Wait, what uh, show was recently? <laughs> yeah, right. And it wasn't recently, it was a few years ago. But uh-huh. the thing that I was struck by was people are so, like, they're so shitty to Krillin. They're, they treat him like crap. Yeah. Uh, the fans do. You know, they're yeah. like, oh, there's means where it's like, oh, I have to act shocked that Krillin died again. All right, let me put on my best shock face. <laughs> but, dude, he was the story of him keeping up with like Gohan and Vegeta for a bit uh, and that fighting was Frieza. He that was tight. He's facing these insurmountable odds that Yamcha and Tien never had to face, and uh, that's probably why it's my favorite. He's my favorite Madman character because <laughs> <laughs> he's just. He's just so incredible, you know. Um, no, this is a um, for those of you who are just joining us now. First of all, it's the like third episode, so go back to the start, okay? Don't cheat. Yeah, guys, uh, come on, come on. Now. But it's a it's a, we're a Mad Men podcast, um, and and Mad Men's a show on AMC that uh, is about you know ad executives and ad folks in the nineteen sixties, and um, as far away from a show in an anime as you can get. That's well, true. It, it may it be though? the antithesis of an. Uh, you know what? It could be. It could be argued both ways, but I think it is probably close to the antithesis, uh, antithesis of an anime. <laughs> Aside from the fact that like Don has a very, um, not to get spoilery, but he has a he has quite a background. Let's just say that. Um, yeah, which could be compared to some anime character backgrounds, maybe. Sure. But I, I think that the typical shonen protagonist is more like, um, believe it, and like, I'm going to get stronger. Whereas, as you <laughs> see in this episode, <laughs> in this episode, Don is a little bit more about hiding and concealing and not talking about himself too much. The uh, elusive man. Yeah, the elusive man uh, child. No, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he's, uh, he definitely but, um, has layers, but yes. How how are you doing, Jala? What have you been up to since we last recorded? I've been good, man. I um not a whole lot. I mean, doing my you know doing my dad duties as usual. Um, mm. trying to stay occupied. I mean, I got I got a I got a new toy. As far as tech tech is concerned, I got I got the uh, for the nerds out there, PC nerds. I got the Steam Deck. Um, ignore this white cool. tab. It's just like so you can pull it out, but <laughs> you didn't steal it, right? <laughs> right. I definitely, I <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely robbed a UPS truck. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, man, is that a 
Is that a Game Gear? <laughs> Yo, this... You know what's funny? This looks like a giant Game Gear. That's what for, I was thinking. That's for, why I said it. I mean, for, we used to have a Game Gear. For people who are gear. viewing, uh, that, that looks like a giant Game Gear. You're so right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We... Those things that ate up batteries like fucking crazy, man. Just oh yeah, not sustainable at all. Um, like in both in both meanings of the term, you know, yeah, that's like true. Environmentally or uh, playtime wise, it was just like one minute I'm playing Triple Trouble, and the next I have been taught the harsh reality of uh, no <laughs> nothing fun lasts forever. Uh, <laughs> God love anyway, the game uh, you. But yeah, so aside from that, um, been tinkering with that a little bit. And that's just like a portable system that like yeah, so takes PC games and you can yep, put it on that screen. Yep, yep. Portable Steam player, basically. So Steam is like one of the big platforms where you can play a bunch of PC games on it. And uh, they created it. It's here. Uh, just got it like a day or two ago, so I haven't really dug into it. Uh, as, part, as part of being a father, you don't have a lot of uh, uh, hands-free time to uh, tinker and play with toys. Unless they're with with your children, and since it's a new toy, I don't necessarily like she she can look at it and touch it and stuff a little bit, but I don't really want it out there, like to be accidentally hit with something or or, or some <laughs> some stupid juice that spills on it. So yeah, you know, just some stupid juice. <laughs> God damn that stupid juice! Why'd you put that there? Oh, oh well, man. So yeah, then no, not so much. How about you? Well, um. Nothing much here. Um, I do want to say that I, the only thing I know about video games right now is uh, there's this YouTube channel called Oni Plays, and they oh. they are hilarious. Yeah, they're they're it's a Let's Play channel with Chris Oni and Tomar and Zach Hadel, who uh, just put out Smiling Friends, which is my favorite show of the year. Um, Smiling that's Friends. A, that's a, yeah, it's a fantastic show on Adult Swim. Oh, um, fun, fun. I'm, I'm sure I'll, I'm going to talk about it on ITPNT probably. But oh, um, dope, dope. No, uh, they are so funny and they're they're like reminding me of how fun it is to play video games with friends that I'm like, I'm going to play some video. And, uh, <laughs> you know, video. my brother actually, he gave me his old Switch, his old Nintendo Switch. Nice. Um, Strong, uh, uh, fun console, or fun... It's a console, but it's a handheld too. <laughs> yeah, that's why. That's why you got a little. You didn't I was know like, what to say, fun, fun console. Uh, <laughs> fun handheld. Everyone who tries to talk to me about it, that happens to them. They go, "Fun handheld console." <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm really excited because we were talking a little earlier. Like, I really think that the reason why I stopped playing video games is uh, because one, I I already was doing the music shit. And yeah. The, um, I was already too deeply invested in music to devote to video games, but that's right. a, that's bullshit. I probably could have found the time. Uh, the truth is that Sega stopped putting out consoles, and uh, I think I was just so brand loyal to Sega that I was like, and to Sonic, my friend. The homie. <laughs> you know, it's tough to say Sonic's your friend now. The, the fan base has made it really hard to say... <laughs> Hey, he's he's he, he's making a he's making a huge comeback. He's he's back in the mainstream. He is, yeah. But he's got there's sort of a dark energy that comes from someone who says Sonic is my friend. So I guess that's true. Maybe <laughs> dark energy. Maybe I should change. I shouldn't say that. But anyway, um, I'm I'm thank you to Joe, who's going to be probably a guest on this podcast at some point. Um, 
he gave me his old Nintendo Switch, and I'm going to see if I can uh, put it together, and uh, it's not broken, but oh, yeah. uh, put it, plug it into the, uh, <laughs> the TV and figure out how to play some video. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. There's some fun, some, uh, fun games on there, and obviously, if you do want to play Sonic, it's available on the Nintendo as well, so it's there it for It is, you. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why the GameCube, I think, held on to my interest for a bit, because... Yeah. You still had some cool Sonic stuff going on there for a bit. Um, but anyway, enough about Sonic, Dragon Ball Z. We've, we're talking about everything except for Mad Men. And if, if Don saw these consoles we're talking about, he'd be like, what do you think this is, some sort of magic machine that can play a game? It's <laughs> a callback to, to his infamous line. My favorite line from that episode and possibly the whole series, I want to say. That's what I thought. I thought yeah. so. It sounded, it sounded like a favorite line. <laughs> well, this episode today... Um, this episode is called uh, the, the Ladies' Room. The Ladies' Room. And it is directed by uh, Alan Taylor, and it's written by Matthew Weiner. And Matthew Weiner is the, show, the showrunner creator, so um, well, it'll be interesting to see like the episodes he has a hand in, like if they're somehow exemplary and better than everyone else. Or... We should definitely do that. Um, first episode, is was that also the writer? That is the same duo. It, Same duo, okay. Uh, so for one and two, yeah. okay. I want to yeah. keep track. I want to see. I want to see if he's if somebody outperforms him in a writing standpoint or not. I mean, yeah, we're gonna take the journey together. So, yeah, I loved doing that when I was younger. I would go into the uh, Wikipedia and see which writers wrote which episodes and say, "Oh, I like them," mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. "Oh, I don't like that one." That right. one is <laughs> always linked to my least favorite episodes. Right. Um, but as I've gotten older, I've done more research about television writing, and it's it's not like one person writes the episode. Of course, know? of course. What, what it is is apparently it's there's something called a Jala. You're, you're going to have to forgive me if I mispronounce this. A writer's room. Uh, writer's room. <laughs> yes, and they mm. they have multiple writers on staff, so they all sort of write together. Uh, in a room, I don't know. <laughs> in a room, I don't know if one person does one word, then they toss the piece of paper to the next person. But, right, it's like a game. Oh, I'm, I'm being a shit. I'm being a shit right now. <laughs> but uh, all kidding aside, it, it's a very collaborative process, and it's a little disingenuous to say, "Oh, this is a blank episode." That means it's good, right? But there is some correlation with the person who ultimately puts the episode together, right? And right. we'll we'll get into that more. Um, and I'll figure out who writes which words and, you know, which word is, Start highlighting. is one writer's favorite. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is a this is a Matthew Weiner. He loves the. That's his favorite word. To <laughs> he loves the uh, the. Uh, this one aired in July 26, 2007. It's 47 minutes. And uh, previous episode was 49 minutes. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Tisk 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 tisk. It's kind of interesting. Kind of interesting. Um, but the, the interesting thing is not the two minute interval difference but the uh this actually uh matthew weiner did say that the interval between writing the pilot and the second episode lasted seven years so wow i did not know that that's crazy he he wrote the first and then seven years after that wrote the second that's crazy yeah it's almost like the pilot was like the original idea right and then he didn't even he didn't even want to go ahead until like He'd given that enough time to gestate and maybe um he was starting to pitch it to studios and stuff right and then he decided all right now i'll write episode two but it reminds me of that old saying where as a band you have 
like an infinite amount of time to write your first album. Absolutely. And then the, the follow up, you have about two years. That's mm-hmm. what they say. Mm-hmm. So if if that, you know, because right. the label's like you need you need to follow this up. You uh, must recoup. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we need more money. Yeah. Um. So we're not in the mood to talk about Mad Men, apparently. Uh, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> no, I'm kidding aside. Um, if our energy seems a little uh, over the top and wacky, <laughs> it's because uh, we, this is this is a weird episode to do because we've actually done it before. Yeah. Um, Jala, I know we we talked about not getting too in the weeds in the pilot, but um, we actually did start recording Dad Man episodes back in November 2021, and uh, what wound up happening was for this episode, Madago. You know, the people call their dogs doggos. I think it's great. <laughs> I like it. Um, my dog was sick, and we had to stop recording. And yeah. life, life sort of got in the way after that, and we had to say, let's let's put this on hiatus until Mike gets his new studio. Sorry, yep. Michael. That's that's me. Um, <laughs> and now I have this this nice, super expensive, lush recording studio to record in. Um, I got an arcade and... machine in the background just for background appearances only. You, know I mean? you don't play that thing? No, no, I'm not much of a gamer. <laughs> it helps with acoustics, actually. <laughs> right. it's, a sound, it's a sound paneling thing. Yeah, but, um, exactly. We, I don't want you all to worry. We love Mad Men, and we are going to talk about an episode today. Before and, we get um, into the to... episode, though, I yes. think we should do the 30-second breakdown, and it's definitely okay. your turn. Oh, shit. Okay. Um and you 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 were gonna be able to tell that I have not been practicing. No, uh, no, no rehearsals on this. This is fresh. But the zany the zany energy uh, is gonna help me out. Okay. Now you're able just to time me... yourself, yes? I don't have my uh, own clock. <laughs> yeah, I'll just I'll just count out loud while doing this. <laughs> one, <now>. just, two, <laughs> one, Don does a two. <laughs> uh, Alright. No problem. I'll do I'll have a stopwatch going here. Okay. Now but if, if you I'm want, looking at I was gonna say if you want me to do it, I definitely can. Um, so I want that you to you do it because if I'm if I'm looking at the time, then I'm sort of cheating. In a way. Okay, let me. Uh, I'm gonna right. I'm gonna put a stopwatch. You ready? Yep. I'm gonna give you the go ahead. Okay. Three, two, one, go. We meet Don's wife Betty, and she is going through a mental health crisis. Uh, she's wondering if she needs to see a psychiatrist, and her mom recently died. Nobody seems to care. Um, we meet Peggy on her. I think it's like her her first week at the job, maybe second week, and she is learning that every man in this office is a deplorable sex pest. And finally, Don has a problem at work that he needs to get Midge to help him solve again. And that's time. Beautiful, buddy. Beautiful. (laughs) 28 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) This guy killed it. He killed it. He killed me. (laughs) Dude. Do you think that I did I leave anything big out? No, that was that was fucking perfect. Oh. You hit all three uh, beats under oh, thirty seconds. Man. Oh man, that was that good. was fun. That was real good. <laughs> that was fucking great. Uh, I did want to touch on the the fact that nobody cares that Betty's mom. <laughs> we'll get into that. There's no um, response. Yeah, so that's yeah. those are the uh, the basic talking points of the episode and. Um, you know, when we do the 30-second summary, don't get scared. We're going to get more in-depth, but of that's course, sort that's of what a... the carousel is for, right? Yeah, but the, that's basically a reference to how 
old TV episode summaries would look on your guide on the TV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, re- I really enjoyed that. That was that was a great 30-second breakdown of the episode. Um, <laughs> we, we might as well just get right into the carousel. Nostalgia. It's delicate. But potent. Sweetheart. Yeah, here we go. This is the uh, this is the money maker. So it's t- it's time for the carousel. This segment is basically about how the episode hit you when it first aired, and then how it felt watching it today here in the Lord's Year 2022. Um, Jala, how did the episode hit you when you first watched it, and, and what did you think of it today? Let's get into it. Yeah, yeah. When I f- when um when when watching it, uh, I I didn't. Re- remember the first time around um how a heavily mental health based it was uh especially for um well mostly for uh betty's character um therapies talked a lot about actually in multiple places <clears throat> not just with betty but i think i believe even the beginning of the episode when um uh rogers sterling his wife and betty and don are at the table he mentions how his daughter which i think she's like 15 or 16 or something she's like a teenager um, she is yep yeah and she was uh i guess she started seeing a therapist and um you know rogers basically lamenting the fact that he can't wait till she's like is his daughter is somebody else's problem blah blah blah, blah. so basically he's kind of just talking about i know it's very eye rolly uh, but but um yeah so the, a lot of mental health in this episode uh i really enjoy that though um adds a layer of complexity to like each of the characters and not only the people that are dealing with some of the mental health stuff but the people that live amongst or live with the people that are dealing with mental health and kind of how they balance and deal with the um someone with, that they love that has this issue um uh, so that 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 was really interesting to watch in this episode. Um, Midge, Midge, and uh, Don have some funny scenes uh, that I forgot about. Uh, uh, infamously, Don, or actually not Don, <clears throat> Midge throwing the uh, TV out the window is pretty funny. Um, <laughs> she's wild, man. Yeah, she's, she she's she totally cool. didn't want to do it, but she she's so impulsive, like she's an impulsive type of chick that she just like. Don's obviously bothered, and she just tosses the shit out the, <laughs> out the window. And it's kind of it's kind of shoving it in his face, like, "All right, you don't right. want me to have a TV? Yeah, all right, all right fine, go. it's out. You happy? But it's not vindic- it's not vindictive. It's like no, she no, kind of no. laughs about it afterward. She laughs about it because she's like, "Oh, did I just do that?" But right. she obviously she obviously cares what Don thinks, and you know, Don's such a such like a, I don't know, like. A, He's threatened, not threatened, but he's he's being very like passive about uh, that it bothers him because he's just kind of like, "Where'd you get the TV? Where'd you get it?" Like, yeah, which just insinuates someone else, right? Basically, I was just gonna say, which just insinuates he's insinuating like, "Who's getting you the TV?" Obviously, some other guy, but whatever. She catches on to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Throws it out the window to appease him for the time being, and uh, and they laugh about it, but. Aside from that, though, I mean, that was a lot of the main beats as far as what I noticed differently from watching it from then to now. Um, I really like, as far as watching it again, um, I really like uh, Midge's quote when she says, 
which is kind of kind of uh, explains a lot of the um, the TV throwing thing. She says, "I live in the moment. Uh, nothing is uh-huh. everything," which I really liked. Um, I really like that quote from her. Um, a lot behind that quote, especially for her, um, and and Don himself, to be honest. So I really enjoyed that. Um, seeing um, Kiernan uh, Shipka for the first time uh, is in That's the second right. episode, which is fun. Um, so you get Sally. Um, now we're not really talking to talk so much about the uh, the sun because the sun is a revolving actor, and is not honestly. There's not much. It, it's really about Sally. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, the, no, the sun I mean, is really an afterthought. Not, and that's not really a spoiler. It's more that just the kids are keep there. Your on, right. Keep your eyes on Sally. She is a uh, right. She is a flower that uh, is. Well, that sounds really creepy. She's uh, she's getting ready to you know bloom Burst and become a young woman. Right. Yeah. Um, and Kiernan Shipka. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that she is great. She's gone on to do great stuff. Oh yeah. Um, and yeah, we. We on this podcast support her, and she's one of the, the people who inspired us to make the podcast. So you can put that on her uh, demerits or merits if you like. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you you bring up that it's the first time we saw Sally, and that's definitely something that perked my eyes up. Is uh, it's, is that we saw Sally for the first time? Who again? She's so young, and she's just this Thank little you. kid with a mm-hmm. with a plastic bag on her head, and. You know, just folks, Mad Men is a story about all sorts of people, but um, I think she's one where you don't even realize how good she is until... I know. Until things get moving. That's all I can say. We, yeah. We're not a spoilers podcast, but... She's great. Um, another debut, and I don't want to step on your your uh, carousel here. No, we can, we, can, we can intertwine. I think um, it's nice to kind of just talk about a little bit about the episode and kind of what we saw and what we noticed uh watching well the thing that i noticed right away was that holy crap it's burt cooper the man the myth the legend i ah, i had to bring that up because i didn't miss that <laughs> that is the entrance of the the yeah. man <laughs> yeah and and i had this memory of him not showing up for most of season one for some reason because so he just I. has this air this air of mystery and power about him yeah and here he is in episode two and he's just awesome he's got no shoes on and he's just he's so like I, I don't know he just takes control of every conversation he's in but in a very cool like non-alpha bullshit way you know? right right absolutely he's i think awesome uh, yeah it's so funny that don was just like the camera he's so fixated on the fact that he wasn't wearing shoes which, which is which is which is which is real like that's a real thing like it's 1960 something like everything is suit and suit and tied up and uh, you got like the the big boss man walking around the office, and he has no shoes on. That that's something that's, to, you know, eyebrow. Well, that's a good point because Don's staring at his feet like he's never seen this before. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. that's very much a uh, <laughs> like for the viewers uh, for the viewers gain that mm-hmm. that him staring at his feet and the camera showing that because I think I think Mad Men is a series that oftentimes they like to show the character's point of view so that's why they had don look at his feet so because otherwise the camera is not going to do the uh the male gaze on, <laughs> <laughs> on uh 
Cooper's feet. Right. Uh, unfortunately for Quentin Tarantino, you know, who's, who's a big fan <laughs> of the show. Uh, I'm sorry. So anyway, um, Tarantino for me, knows what he does. <laughs> he's just, well, anyway, hey, I don't, I don't shame anyone for their foot stuff. Right, anyway. <laughs> so the thing that I noticed watching it this time was, like you said, there's a focus on mental health, but um. This isn't really Don's episode. It's uh, I think we we were talking about the ladies a lot last time, so uh, it, it might Here feel a bit come. competitive to people. But I I loved Peggy in this episode. I um, I I love her story. Uh, this episode was called the Ladies' Room, and there's a moment where Joan, you know, is is walking around with Peggy in the office, very much like she did in the pilot, and uh, she's she's showing her some stuff. I don't know, she's doing some stuff. And uh, <laughs> they go to the bathroom, and uh, Peggy sees a colleague of theirs crying into the mirror, you know. And Peggy wants to stop and console her, but Joan basically gives her a look, like, oh, just leave her be. It's okay. <laughs> and the, it's sad, though. And at the end of the episode, Peggy is in that same spot. She goes to that mirror, and she makes the decision, no, I'm yep. not going to be the person crying in the mirror. I'm going to yep. be strong. And yep. Puts her foot down on just it. like... Because yes, she was falling down that pathway, and yep. and and um, I give her props for that. Um, I I will say, well, I I like that she made that conscious decision to not go all the way down that road because she was she was really she was getting there. She she really was getting there. So like, it was nice to see her kind of like start to fall into places, being like the Peggy Peggy character that we know and love um this phase of peggy i'm not gonna get too big into this because it's kind of a lot of foreshadowishness that i don't yeah. really want to jump on but um you mean you know what just because of that i i will negate what i was gonna say but i do cool. want to jump i do want to jump on what you were saying about her putting her foot down and not crying and the you know and it's not about the crying thing because this is not an issue about cr- being vulnerable. Nothing wrong with crying, folks. Thank you. Thank it's, you. Everyone should have a chance to uh, cry. It's healthy for you. But um, go on. I just i i don't want to i don't want to make it seem like I think that either. But. No, of course not. And that's not that's not that's not what I got. But but it's kind of more a thing where it's like falling victim to being the weakened dove or or some type of soft not not soft but like basically you're letting the office antics chew you up and spit you out and right. spit you out basically into crying in the bathroom basically that's basically like the end goal like and peggy's like no i'm not the office is like what goes on here the guys here you know how i'm treated like i'm not going to let that dictate how i feel moving forward i'm gonna stand up you know because because look um uh joan's been there and obviously she knows the game more than anybody probably as far as like the female colleagues that that work there um she knows the game better than anybody and she's ascended maybe even past that point of doing you know these early type of things where you become overwhelmed too quickly by you know office antics and you have this habit of, you know, kind of just being beaten up almost emotionally in the office. Sure. And, and she, she kind of, she trying to, she basically trying to avoid that. 
trying to avoid being well, that um, that type of character. When you say office antics, to be clear, it is sexual harassment. Yeah, when, when we, yeah. When we when we speak of, I mean, I think even like that's the main issue that's going on, and she blows up at uh, Joan about it. Um, yeah, that's like, a great line where she says. Why is it that every time someone takes you to lunch here, you're the dessert? Yeah, yeah. I, I love that Joan, who has definitely said worse stuff in the first two episodes, goes, that's terrible. <laughs> she does. <laughs> it's, because, it's because she's not the one saying it. She goes, oh, Peggy, that's terrible. That's terrible. Uh, that's terrible. That's Yeah, but the, the thing that Peggy is deciding is that um, I think she was looking for outside validation in these first two episodes. Yeah. And... The thing that makes what Paul Kinsey did so despicable is he pretends that he's her friend and he's not like the, quote, Hitler Hitler youth, as he calls them. Um, and then he gets her in his office and then says, uh, you know, let's clo- let's put a couch in front of the door um, and says, what, do you belong to someone else? Um, you know, and I'm, I'm not viewing this as a 2022 thing. I'm, in view- I'm viewing it as like. Just general respect. Yeah, yeah, just generally speaking. Yeah, you know, so you know I Mike. I gotta sucks. give you. I gotta give you props on that. Um, on that. On that viewpoint, because I think I might have viewed it a little uh, viewed it wrongly. Hmm. I was looking at it like you're right because it's so hard to read between that line because I think your viewpoint is probably more accurate, but there is a viewpoint where he's moving a lot slower than the rest of the men mm. or quote unquote or not not quote unquote but he's at least from my viewpoint he seemed to like try to make an effort to like kind of speak to her ask her <clears throat> ask her about things she liked um take an interest that you know doing this and that <clears throat> I, I was just thinking about something that i realized when you said that <laughs> <laughs> there's one thing that he does you know, you said no, that he says, uh, you said that he says, or he takes an interest in things she likes. But the only thing I can remember that's close to that is when he says, uh, he does this weird Rod Serling from the Twilight Zone, which was a popular show that was pretty much getting started in 1961. Yeah, um, yeah. Or maybe it was the late 50s that it started. Um, <laughs> he does a weird little Pete Campbell thing where he says, you know, a man who. Uh, has found out that the best place for his hands is in your pocket. But he goes, uh, Twilight Zone, have you seen it? And she goes, uh, no, I don't really like science fiction. And Kinsey just goes, I'm going to pretend you didn't say that. And, said, and then he goes, he goes, Mitch from marketing says they're going to cancel it soon. I'm going to kill myself. And then Peg- <laughs> by the way, Peggy's by like, the way, modern day nerd, though. Mo- or not modern day, sorry. What should I say instead of that? It's not modern vintage. day nerd. Yeah, vintage, vintage nerd. nerd. Thank you. Vintage nerd, by the way, all that is vintage nerd. Like, which, which, which I think is amazing. But that is pretty funny that he did. <laughs> kill I just love. I just love. I the next time I'm talking to a girl about something that I'm interested in, I'm going to. If she, she says she's not interested, I'm going to say I'm going to pretend you didn't say that. Uh, if they, if they, if they cancel this show that I like, I'm going to kill myself. And then she, and there's going to be this awkward silence. And then she'll be like, uh. Okay, and then leave. All right. Do you, do you <laughs> like me now? Get out of my apartment. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> Just so you know, I'm going to kill myself at this TV show. <laughs> <laughs> what if Peggy took him literally? She's like, do you want me to call like a hospital? I think right. It's a little bit extreme. <laughs> that would have uh, been, that would have been, uh, that would have been um, very suburban of her. 
even in the 1960s, uh, this seems like a mental health. Well, that's the mental health theme of the episode. He's he's dangerously close to killing himself. <laughs> based on now, a, this, uh, this is TV all in show. jokes. This is all in jokes. Yeah. Kinsey's a funny guy. He continues to be funny throughout the show. He's like the I don't know, man. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't like Kinsey very much. Yes. We'll get into that more. But yeah, there, there's some there's some resentment to Kinsey, but uh, but you know the thing is, um, I think you're right. I think I think he was being more sly about trying to pursue her and doing it in a more in a, in a different way. Now, if it were me, do I like his way more than the other guy's way? Yes. I believe him, like, showing her around the office, uh, just kind of sharing lunch, like, real, like, regular stuff, like, you want to get lunch, like, real basic, like, nothing crazy about you want to get lunch, or, like, you want me to show you around the office and look at some stuff, or, like, asking her if she likes sushi. Didn't he ask if she likes sushi or something? He's like, have you ever had, like, some type of sushi or some Asian food or something? She's like, no, I never tried it. But, like, he's, he's kind of, like, he trying asked to... If she liked, he asked if she liked Ukrainian food. Ah, Ukrainian food. Excuse me, wasn't Asian. Yeah, you like Ukrainian food. Yeah, like <laughs> he's really trying to peg, trying to see, peg her for what she really, <laughs> so to <Jesus>. speak. <laughs> oh man, yeah, was, let's. Yeah, I wish yeah. he had said, "I'm trying to sort of peg you." <laughs> Get a peg for what you really like. Yeah, I'm no, gonna um, kill myself. <laughs> But uh, no, Kinsey. So 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 I I like that approach. Like so, if you're gonna pick up a girl at an office that you work at, I like don't. his approach. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> first, don't. No, I think I think you. I think I. It's, I don't think it's the smartest idea. But if you if you guys find common interest, maybe you can build off a of, build off of that in a a, a smart uh, two way street type of way. Sure. And I think that Kenzie, what he was doing. I think fit the bill a lot closer to that style than the other guys are just grabbing up on Peggy. Like there's like yeah. no there's no covertness. He's they're grabbing her, like telling her like what they want to do and stuff like that, and like basically in so many words. And you have Kinsey who's just like, let's get food. Uh, you know, what do you like, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I like these things, kind of nerdy in a very nerdyish way. But then he does turn the corner when she just walks into his office to ask him or to tell him that she's not going to have lunch with him and right. um and then and then he pushes up but while he's in the office he does he like you said he does say like hey you know um you, are you are you taken basically and then when he basically gets the notion that she has been he feels bad about what he did because he he basically says some line where he's like that's worse than sitting in Don's chair or something like that. I don't which, even like to sit in Don's chair. I don't even like to sit in Don's chair, which <clears throat> which basically is like he's like, oh yeah, that's not really my flo- like. If that's the case, then that's not really that's not really my game. So like, well, that that's how that's how I took it. Now it could be interpreted in many many different ways, and I think you interpret it differently than than I do. But well, that's <clears> cool, man, because we need we can't agree on everything. And that's <laughs> what a podcast is all about. Is not sure. Um, I'll just end it. End my thoughts on it with this: um, If he was genuinely trying to get to know her, and the end result he was hoping for was to have a girlfriend or whatever, right? 
that's not the worst thing in the world. Um, or if he was trying to be your friend, that's cool too. Right. Um, exactly. But I think he... I think his end goal was just to have a quick and forgive me folks, a quick fuck at work. Like, and you could be right. You could be right. He was warming. I mean, he literally says, let's put a couch in front of the door. Everyone's about to leave. Let's have sex right now. That's true. That's true. He doesn't feel bad for, he doesn't feel bad for propositioning Peggy. He feels bad because she's already Don's, you know? And he says, I don't like to sit in Don's chair. Okay. You, you, you caught that as like a Don, Take, he, I think he, it, I think one hundred percent it is. I don't okay. even like to sit in Don's chair because that's his property. I see. I, so of course I, I wouldn't have sex with someone he claimed. Okay, and he, that that's a good the, catch. That's a good catch. The phrasing he uses is "Are you someone else's?" Right. So that's. I think the ultimate thing is that the other guys being chauvinist, perverted, you know, grabbing McGee's or whatever. That's awful too. I'm not saying that. Um, that's like better than this, but. Of course not. The thing that the thing that Paul did made Peggy want to cry and go to the bathroom because it's an emotional damaging emotionally damaging thing as well as a man taking her to lunch and wanting her to be the dessert. You know? Yeah. So No, that's a good point. That's a good point. I, I'm but I'm extremely biased, um, because I don't like Kinsey. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also I've been watching uh nice guy Reddit compilations where it's like People who say, I'm such a nice guy. Why can't I get a girlfriend? And for me, Paul... He does fit that bill a little bit. He does. And also, he never... I don't think he asks Peggy a single question about herself that whole time. He's telling her... And his his tour of the agency is cool for us, the viewers. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like, I like the reveal that um, it's mostly about buying marketing. And that the uh, creative is free on the side. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, Absolutely. but yeah, I don't know. Um, You're right. But I, well, let's I get actually, off the Kinsey chain. I think. Yes, of course. I will never, I will never say no to that. I will always be able to get off the Kinsey train. <laughs> I never got into like. I don't really remember watching this episode um, when it aired or when I when I first started watching it. But it is interesting that the pilot's all about Don. Yeah, really. and yeah. Then, the, then the second episode's like. So here's more about this woman that you saw at the end of the pilot, and I like that part about it. That, that is really cool. We get it's a it's a good two piece two piece the uh, two piece the the first episode and the second episode. You get Don, you get the wife, and you get so you get, get a, know, you get a little bit of the kids too, just a little get bit. To know Betty a little bit, a little yeah. bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, Don's plot in this is pretty simple. Um, he he goes out to dinner with uh, Sterling and his wife Mona. And um, it's a pleasant enough dinner, but Don doesn't feel satisfied with the fact that, you know, Sterling likes him, but he doesn't trust him. And he says that if he trusted him, they'd be at the Four Seasons as opposed to this nice restaurant. But it's... um Oh, it's you know, I didn't that, even catch that. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't catch that piece. It's the fact that Betty does love seeing Don, you know, being charming with other people, but... It's the fact that Sterling is trying to reach out and get to know Don better. And Don is still being cagey and not giving answers and being really self-effacing. And that's what sets Betty on this path where her hands start to shake. And um, I think that part of the episode is probably the best done part of it. The fact that her hands are... It's really chilling to see her lose control of her motor functions. and Yeah, uh, the numbing effect. We talked about this earlier, but there's that scene where Mona and Betty go to the bathroom... And uh, 
to powder their noses or whatever. <laughs> and um, Mona helps Betty, you know, put on her lipstick because she's like, I seem to have grown a, a set of thumbs. Set and of thumbs. She, asks, she asks Mona straight up, like, do you ever lose control of your hands? And Mona offers no comfort. She's like, no. She says no. And, and it's really sad. Uh, Betty does try to go out on a limb and say, like, you know, I've just been having such a hard time lately. And by the way, my mother died three months ago. I don't know if you heard that. And um, Mona. Nothing. No you, energy. Nothing off of that. No, they're, they're not the same energy. No energy at all. She just kind of stares at her. And it's. It's really almost sad. like. It's almost like. She, she, she was not going to connect with Betty really there. Like no. she, she was almost looking as looking at Betty as like an ob, like an like a like a like a picture in a magazine or something. She's like, oh, you probably you probably just don't even have to work very hard, do you? Like, yeah, almost like lamenting the fact that she's where she is and Betty's where Betty is as far as her you know her youthfulness right. and and you know this and that. It, it's it's very interesting. It's almost like why, you, why are you whining to me? Like, <laughs> it, it, she didn't say any of this, by the way. This is all like right. just like a lot of body language reading and like no words, like type of um, energy that she was giving off. And that's that's kind of the energy that I got from her. So, sure. Well, it's it's a it's a sort of like you you have all this physical beauty and all this youth, and uh, you know, I I think that Mona probably feels, if not threatened by Betty, then more just like not really like their friends uh, you know I, I don't know she's definitely very closed off to betty though and the saddest part of that scene is that it's actually one of the bathroom attendants who says i'm sorry uh, but she's saying i'm sorry there's other ladies who want to use the bathroom yeah so it's the just like is, sort of a gut that, punch yeah it's like it's i think that's good writing because i thought oh okay mona did say i'm sorry and it's like oh no it's the it's the bathroom attendant um that's really that's, that, that makes was it even nice. worse. Yeah, yeah, uh, that is true. And, and she's if if only the bathroom attendant would had at least said, "I'm sorry, that's really sad." But no, it's about the ladies who want to use the mirror. Uh, hey, that's a that's a parallel though because it is. They're they're in the ladies' room too in that episode. Mm. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. A lot of people in the mm. ladies' room this episode. Mm. <laughs> uh, mm. Yeah, <laughs> no, you know, you know, I what? um, I, I will say uh, this episode probably is um, Betty is probably. The, the most um you really understand her character more this episode it does a really good job um kind of putting a spotlight on a little bit about this character and and maybe some of the things that she's thinking about or going through at the house and the disconnection she feels from don that that's really apparent um so um that's something that 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 comes up um and i think before when i first watched this i i was her problems with her hands and you know there's a scene where she's driving the car and she loses her hand her her feeling in her hands again and she like uh i guess crashes on somebody's lawn basically um uh by the way and the kids are in the back Something bad happened, right? They like got in like a little bit of like an accident. <clears throat> she yeah. goes back there. She's like, "Is everything okay?" The kids are just back there laughing, <laughs> which is like well, so like as a father, like it, it's so like I'm so like this is the kids. No matter the age, like when something's actually serious, 
they're like they don't it goes over their head or like they're just goofing off but yeah. anything like that they deem serious is like they they labels a 10 is like a three like in reality <laughs> yeah there's so certain it's, it's things so that funny. adults have to go through that kids can't even comprehend um i think it's interesting you brought up that you might miss that this is like more mental health rooted the betty stuff um yeah i think as a second episode goes i'm not sure this gets people hooked on the show i will say um, yeah i can say that it's too. one it's one that you enjoy more as a fan of the show already right um but i think people are kind of waiting for like the big moment with betty's hands and there's not really a big moment she just feels sad and, and thank you lonely and uh it goes against big drama tv you know yeah um, yeah, yeah what you're guess, saying is what i felt when i first watched it it made me think here. like something big was happening and i couldn't pinpoint it but now looking back it's really just um a manifestation of anxiety yep um yeah. and i didn't catch that before it made it seem like it was something more than it was but again i mean <laughs> anxiety also shows itself that way as well <laughs> like yes, which is kind of interesting right if you think of it from a writing standpoint as as we've we've grown a lot since we first watched the show and i've had my own mental health stuff that happened to me where it does impact you physically and it's not yeah absolutely you know, it's not what don and roger say it is it's not a fad um mm-hmm. a, a pink what does he say some sort of pink stove or something oh yeah um, like the, the the new like thing that everyone has to have or whatever is basically what he's referencing i will defend don on something when i first watched this i said this guy's a piece of shit irredeemable (laughs) i hate him so much for listening to his wife's therapy set or talking to his wife's psychiatrist yeah yeah but he does go through an emotional journey on this episode and he does does, he really does he does destroy his old preconceived notion that betty doesn't need to see a psychiatrist and he does actively listen to Betty when she goes on that that um, sort of anxiety-induced mm-hmm. rant about what would happen if Betty... I mean, if um, Sally had a scar. And yep. when she says, do I need to see a psychiatrist? He says, I don't know, instead of, no, you're happy. Um, he used to... For, for most of this episode, he is trying to convince Betty she's happy. And this at, by the end of it, he says, you definitely need to see someone. Or he supports her seeing someone, which yeah, he says people, whatever you people want. People don't give that people don't give that enough credit. Um, and this is my sound. I know I was starting to sound like an ally earlier in the episode for women. <laughs> this this might this, make me this might make me sound like a misogynist, but I, I I don't support what Don's doing. But I do think it's his twisted way of showing that he cares about Betty. Uh, hear me out. No, 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 it's no. Twisted. He, it's twisted. But he does. He does. He definitely does to a, cer- to a certain extent. Roger Sterling says it behooves any man to let another person deal with their wife's problems. And Don is basically saying, well, I love my wife and I do want to help her with her problems. But I also don't want to uh, have to open up about myself. So what I can do is have her see a shrink and then pay the shrink uh, and have him tell me what's going on. You know, I mean, it, it, it's true. It's twisted. It's not right what he's doing. But I, when I first I, watched it, I thought it was evil. I don't think I, it's I evil. I think it's fucked up. Yeah. But it's. Yeah. So. I follow you on that. And you know what? Think about it, though. Think about it. 1960 something. 1960 something. These things. 
we're in 2022. Like, these things are obviously more readily available to people to understand anxiety and mental health stuff and, and things and things that people can do to better uh, better equip themselves with it. But these are these are things that people are only just getting comfortable with as we sit in today's age. You know what I mean? Like we have a bunch of yeah. tools and things that people are able to use because it's more readily out there. People are talking about it a lot more freely and, and I, I really enjoy that. I think that's fantastic. But 1960, these type of things still existed, but nobody was really speaking about them at, at any type of uh, any type of uh, mainstream level. It's a lot of hush hush under the table type of stuff that you might talk about with your friend or or somebody that you're very very close with. Um, but for Don to see Peg, uh, see uh, Betty, kind of go through this um uh this um uh there's a word for it man and i i can't think of it now but it's basically she's basically having this anxiety spiral of a uh, negative thoughts about what ifs um and 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 it hitting him like wow she's actually i can see that she's like he notices that she's like that's not normal like what she's doing right so i think he's like oh okay this is above this is above what I know. I can't help with this. By the way, his old school way of trying to help the situation was I'm going to get her like a bracelet. <laughs> Betty Betty yeah, was like yeah. she, she was like she was like, "Oh, that's cool." Like she she, she was very like, "Thank you, Don." Like, but she wasn't phased by it. Like it was very like, "Oh, that's great." And then once he re- once he gave her that, he thought he probably thought to himself like, "Oh, okay, I fixed it. I did it." Then when she started this, immediately after the gift, she started to spiral. He said, "Oh shit, that didn't do anything. That didn't help at all." I, yeah. I guess I, I guess I don't know what I'm doing. So she says, well, "Do I need some help?" And he goes, "I don't know. Uh, whatever you want." <laughs> like yeah. he's like, "All right, fine. I, 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 I'm a, apparently it's above me. So whatever I'm you out. need to do." Really. Uh, you know, it's interesting to hear a character in the beginning of this episode say the stigma is uh is lifted a little bit they say that the stigma for mental health is decreasing and it just makes me think how slowly things progress in our society absolutely that was that was more than 50 years ago and we have we have come pretty far with mental health but it didn't it wasn't like 1960 the stigma's lifted a bit and then by 1965 everyone is cool about mental health it's still like Nope, nope it's still pretty Back then, it was still pretty shocking to hear someone say, "I'm going to see a psychiatrist." Absolutely, you know, people would, people would, yeah. Anyway, we don't have to get into it. The episode explores it in a really cool way, um, or at least a really thoughtful way, not cool. Yeah, but yeah, uh, it's interesting. It's very interesting um, how they how they break it down. Um, yeah, I, w- I would say the episode's be- the biggest weakness for me is that um, I mentioned this a bit last week. Uh, Sometimes the second episode of a TV show does have echoes of the pilot a little bit. And um, I do think the fact that this one is about Don uh, seeing Midge and uh, being away from home and coming up with a new pitch. And it follows a lot of the same beats as the pilot, probably intentionally so. And it sort of reintroduces people to uh, Sterling Cooper again and how it works. Yeah. And, uh, And Peggy, she's, she's still the new girl in this episode and, um, it just feels a little bit, uh, like, uh, it's repeating the, st- the story's repeating itself a bit at some points. Yeah, and also absolutely. 
I think this is going to be one of the last times I do this. But this has one of those silly scenes where I go, okay, they're really trying to make sure we know that times were different back then. I think you could right. probably guess what I'm going to say. There you go. <laughs> I, I can't. I well, actually. I, I don't have a thought. I don't have the idea in my head. But but you. Go. Uh, we're playing. We're playing spaceman, and then Betty says, "Sally Draper, get over here." Uh, and she basically chastises Sally not because she has a giant plastic bag over her head and uh, she's breathing into the plastic bag into <laughs> her mouth, but because she says if her clothes are on the ground, then she's going to be a sorry young lady. If I find so, my clothes laying on the ground, yes. back in the bag. So very mom. At least I I, 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 uh, I empathize with it. <laughs> at least in my when I was growing up back in my day. Um, parents were really paranoid about kids, you know, sticking their head in a plastic bag, um, and suffocating to death. Yeah. And so, so the, the fake out of the show is, oh, she's mad because Sally could suffocate, uh, and it's unsafe. Nope. Yeah. It's the clothes. My, my, my order of operation would be take the bag off your head, first of all. And then secondly, if my clothes aren't back in that bag. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so you would do what Betty did. You no, no. Do, the oh, first wait, thing, no. I, the first thing I would do is take okay. the bag off of your head. Got it. Okay. I, w- I wouldn't so, freak out about it because she's just standing there with the bag there. But I would tell her to right. take it off first, Got and then it. I would okay, be like, okay. "So I empathize with the if the clothes are on the floor and not in the bag because they're not okay. supposed to even be out." You okay, know, kid, okay. Kids get kids get into everything. You got you got to really you got to really put them in their place. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we'll save that for your segment. And by the way. We sort of dove into the relationships and the uh, mental health stuff, so we can skip my segment for this episode. Yeah. Um, But yeah, for the rating for this episode, I am going to say that I will give this three Manhattans. Um, As I mentioned, it's it's kind of a tough second episode because I don't think it's going to get anyone into the show. Um, Peggy is pretty cool in the episode, and... Uh, Betty, she gets a, a neat introduction, um, but I think we're going to get to know Betty in a more interesting way as the show goes on. And certainly um, Peggy, her plot is kind of episodic and doesn't really, I, I don't I don't know if it brings her character anywhere new, aside from the fact that we see she's holding on to the, the postcard from Pete Campbell um, and put it in her desk. But right. Um, other than that, the episode feels a little bit self-contained, and uh, so yeah, that's that's why I'm giving it a three. I, I don't think it's as good as the pilot, which is interesting because if you had told me I was going to rate something lower than the pilot, I would have said, "What? What are you talking about? Yeah, that's ridiculous. So, <laughs> that's not possible." Uh, what about you? What's your rating? I'm with you. Um, I'm giving it a three. Manhattan's as well. Uh, first episode, I gave a three. This. Oh wait. I believe the first episode I gave it a three. You gave it a three point five, right? Yep. Yeah, I so gave it a three point five, and you did three. Yeah, I agreed with you, but I'm gonna give it a three because um, I enjoyed a lot of the mental health stuff in this episode. Um, closer look at uh, Betty and her lifestyle and how she's dissatisfied in it, um, and I think it's rides very closely with the first episode to me as far as um part a part b you know what i mean um yeah they go together pretty well so for me three manhattans out of five um definitely enjoyed the episode 
And um, obviously, we have uh, much, much uh, more to come. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, let's get into Sterling's Gold. Nicely done. I didn't think you had it in you, and I mean that. So, um, did you have any standout quotes, Mike? Yeah, I mean, there's a big one. I, don't, I assume we may both have the same. We may not, but we may. Um, Sterling's got a quote in here, obviously talking to Don. Um, Don says, uh, what do women want? And Sterling quickly says, who cares? Yes. Yeah. Just, just goes about drinking his drink. Um, I remember we, we finished recording the first episode of the podcast and you mentioned that quote to me offhand. So when he said it in this episode, I was like, oh yes, there it is. There's Mike's fave. Boom. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. What about you? Um, I'd say my favorite is another Sterling classic where he says, uh, he, he says, close enough. He looks at his watch and sees it's 4.30 and uh, he says, close enough. That's pretty funny. Because <laughs> he's saying it's it's almost five. But the other one I liked is, so that's where you've been. He says it. So he's having a funny talk with this uh, this booze he's drinking, you know? Um, oh, that's fun. That's fun. I remember that. And there's another scene where uh, this is probably my favorite non-Sterling comedy from the episode. Just because it's so fucking cringe. Um, are you going to say what are Kinsey, you going to Are you going to say what I think? No, go, go, go. Uh, Kinsey was talking to the uh, the sandwich guy in the office. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he, he, he says something to the effect of, Samuel, my man, what's with that drape? It looks sadder than a map. And <laughs> uh, it's so lame. And uh, That one's pretty the bad. The guy... The guy clearly hates Kinsey and says, well, it's lightweight and it reminds me I'm at work, but you sure can talk, Mr. Kinsey. <laughs> you sure can talk. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, what, it's just so weird. I don't even know what he means. Yeah, his, I don't quite line. grasp that. Um, it's, <clears throat> my funny line what, that was not a sterling line was um, that stupid, that stupid shit that, um, that uh, I believe uh, um, Cosgrove said at the at the at the diner. He's like, "I'm a 42 long," and then the Ugh. other guy, and then the other guy goes, <laughs> "He's Pat not talking. He's not a suit size." Ugh. Peggy's, um. <laughs> Peggy's like, covers her mouth. She's like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, like, oh. <laughs> um, so I actually, you just reminded me, um, God. You just reminded me of something from Ken, that. Ken Cosgrove is still like a freaking creep. He's still really horned up from the first episode. Yeah, um, like it's a carryover. Like I'm, t- I'm telling <laughs> you guys, when we as we move along with with Mad Men, this Ken Cosgrove, this is it's it's starkly different, starkly different. But anyway. yeah, that's not a that's not a spoiler. But just keep keep your eyes on Ken Cosgrove. Okay, he is not always this gross and annoying. Um, Dang it! There was a really funny line. Well, I gotta say, we didn't even cover the wacky uh, deodorant meeting. Oh, of course, of course. Uh, they grab Ken and pin him, and you know, uh, <laughs> this episode wasn't as much for Salvatore quotes for funny Salvatore no, quotes, no. but uh, he does get to grab Ken from behind and hold on to him <laughs> as they put deodorant on him, and then one of the motherfuckers says. Uh, just pretend it's prom night and you're the girl. I'm sorry, I'm quoting from the show so much. Uh, but there's some funny things, some funny lines show. that are being said. Yeah, 
that one's not funny. That's just these guys are complete creeps. Of course, uh, of course. They think they're being funny. Yeah. Um, I do like that Peggy says they smell nice. That's a nice callback to that meeting. <laughs> the line that I liked, there's a certain type of comedy that happens with Carrie Crane mm-hmm. uh, because he's so socially awkward and, and nerdy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the gross guys says to the ladies that it's going to be two <laughs> and three. And they like, he knows they like to be you know, uh, over, uh, overmatched or, or outnumbered. Yeah. And stupid Harry Crane makes it awkward. It's already awkward, of course, to be sexually, you know, have sexual comments at work. But he says, well, it's actually two and two because I'm married. And one of them gets pissed at him and says, you still have to eat. You still have to eat. <laughs> the way, weirdo. The way he delivers that line is mad funny, though. Yeah. <laughs> that was Cosgrove because uh, Ken Cosgrove's actor... Um, he's phenomenal in his line deliveries and, uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's that part of the episode is pretty funny. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's I a lot of say, stupid, like man, sh- like dated man shenanigan bullshit that's in this episode, obviously. Um, yes. So, and, and Peggy is sick of their shit. Of course. And as she should be. It's interesting. It's, so is Joan, change. by the way. So is Joan. Well, but Joan knows how to use it to her advantage. Of course. She of course. gets a... She to her, she's trying to help Peggy and see. Okay, you can get a free lunch if you deal with the, the cat calling. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and I think she it thinks she's helping Peggy because most of the girls that come through there don't really have professional aspirations, according to her. Right. She says, if you're lucky, you're going to get married and get get a place in the country. Right. You know? Right. Um, but that's a whole other topic. So I, I guess we've covered the funniest parts of the episode for sure. Um, but Cooper having Cooper walk in on that <laughs> on the on them pinning Ken and uh putting the stupid deodorant on him. Yeah, that's so embarrassing for Don. And he does turn around and say, like, he's basically super pissed at those guys, even though he was encouraging their shitty behavior. Yeah, Don was very smooth about it. He didn't look in, like embarrassed like visually. He was just right. he, he kinda more he kinda more was like he he was able to he was able to spin it. I mean, because it's Don, he's able to spin most yeah. things. So he was able to spin. He's like, "Yeah, it's a brazier account. Obviously, it doesn't work well for men." And just walks out. Yeah, we're just smooth. That we just figured that smooth. out. Yeah, we just figured that out exactly. <laughs> but um, the fact that that's how Cooper is first introduced on the show is pretty funny. It is you pretty know? funny. Big boss man. Big boss man. Uh, but yeah, that's that's Sterling's gold for this week. Absolutely. Now, M- Michael, the mental health nook in Pedetere has been skipped since we talked about a lot of mental health in this episode today. And um, relationship shit. And relationship shit. So, let's have the dad break. Dad break. <laughs> <laughs> so... Today's dad break sponsored by a nice little Chardonnay wine called one of my favorites. Okay. Not sure how Don feels about wine, to be honest, but I'm sure I'll figure that out as uh, once we get through the whole season. It's fresh in my memory. I think we're legally we have to say they're not actually a sponsor, Mike. Oh, right. I didn't actually. Did I, did I say sponsor? <laughs> Yeah, you said Dad, Dad Rick is sponsored by... Uh, we don't want their lawyers to say, hey, we would never sponsor this. Just saying. Good point, good point, good point. 
Uh, strike that from the record, then. I'm going to bleep it in post. <laughs> <laughs> As if I now cussed or like something. Sp- <laughs> <laughs> now it sounds like we're sponsored by something absolutely terrible. All right, like, holy crap. Um, <laughs> uh, so, my dad break. This is a weird one. Okay. But an interesting one. Uh, this happened to me, I think it was like a month ago. Uh, I was, I was in my office, um, I kind of was just messing around. I can't remember what spurred it, but something about Michael Jackson popped up on my computer or something like that. Or maybe it was like, I don't know what it was. Something about Michael popped up on my computer. Made me want to go listen to a song, I think. Um, I hadn't listened to Michael in a bit, um... So I was listening to a song, and I was vibing really hard, and I was like, yo, you know what I need to do? I haven't done this before, and I like making lists. I did a top 10, my top 10 MJ song list. I'm going to go through it. Um, Okay. Would you like to hear it? Well, I just want to say we are simpatico in that uh, this week I've been getting into... Not really getting into it as much, but I did watch his press conference for the This Is It shows. Oh, you know? I still need to watch it, by the way. I haven't I haven't seen the show, the documentary, just yeah. because I've heard it's kind of uh it's it's kind of s- sort of sad. Uh, God, what am I trying to say? I get it's what so you're getting of, at. I get what you're getting at. There. It's it's for lack of a better term, it's kind of washed clean of any like drama. Right. And it's it's more focused on the rehearsals and less about like the actual behind the scenes like difficulties it was probably unfinished i I had a feeling like it felt like it was if it had more time there they could have done more with it or just wasn't made the way that maybe people were thinking it was going to be put together yeah i know that the fans were i think the estate wanted to present a squeaky clean vision of like oh this was going to be an amazing show yeah absolutely the the thing the vibe that i get was that like and I don't want to get off on a tangent too much, mm-hmm. but I don't know if Michael could have done as many shows if he was as he was hoping. Ah, health wise, he, he, he was pretty exhausted after certain performances on the rehearsals. Good point. And, uh, yeah, you know, you can always do a costume change and and get a glass of water backstage and yeah, stuff. But absolutely, I don't know, man. There's a reason why he said these were going to be the last shows. I mean, he's so. one of the one of the hardest performers, live performers ever. I mean, yep. the man's dancing but, for hours on stage. But without further ado, number 10, Will You Be There? Now, th- Will You Be There? This is the song that was accompanied by the Free Willy soundtrack. I had to go back and listen to this one. As I was going through the list of Michael songs that I really enjoy, I had forgot... I'd, almost forgotten about this song and don't usually listen to it that often but when i sat down and listened to it while i was on my michael jackson listening spree i was like this song's really fucking good this i i really kind of casted it off because it's a you know like a movie soundtrack song like i'm kind of like lukewarm on movie soundtrack songs sometimes but um right. i mean one of the better movie soundtrack songs that you're ever gonna hear honestly i think like if you really sit and listen to that record it's a big sounding record it's beautiful too okay um yeah I, I remember that one that one's really good that's really a good felt yeah very heartfelt i can i i haven't heard it in years but i could definitely remember the melody line. Exactly. i don't want us to get copyright struck 
but uh, yeah. I mean, if we can play 15 seconds, maybe I'll put it on. <laughs> Will you be there? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> oh, Michael, what are you doing? Anyway? Michael, come on now. Come on now. We don't get the license for I'm that yet. <laughs> <laughs> Number nine. Human nature. Gotta love human nature. Off That's of the, a phenomenal track. Off yeah. of the Thriller record. Very atmospheric. Love a good atmospheric track. Um, obvious, obvious night record. Uh, I don't know if you know this about me, but I sometimes, like a lot of times, actually, I categorize songs with times of day. Um, yeah, certain songs are night songs to me. Certain songs have a more like sunny, like upbeat feel. Some are very like highway driving songs you know what i mean like these type of feels human nature is a night record that's uh i really like that record um number eight rock with you now this is the this kind of like the disco era michael this is off the wall um i think if i'm not no no i was gonna say i think chris tucker did something with it but no he did it can't stop till you get enough and that was like on the um the Rush Hour soundtrack. But if you listen to Rock With You, this is kind of like the slower kind of bop. Um, uh, also kind of a night sounding dance. It's a dance record. It's definitely a dance record. Um, yep. Fun record. Uh, I like Rock With You. Uh, number seven. Uh, I gotta go PYT. Oh yeah, I gotta go. P-Y- That's a classic. Yeah, I gotta go. Pyt off of the Thriller album. Uh, Pyt is a super dance record. Um, the bop on that is crazy. Funk, um, some funk. Yeah, a lot. There's some funk in there for sure. Um, got a new new lingo with Pyt. I think. I mean, newish maybe for the time. Who knows? Um, so love that record. Love a good dance record. Pyt is a strong one. Number six. The intro to Thriller, Wanna Be Starting Something. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. The instrumental on that is wild. Probably one of his that better instrumentals fun. he's ever done, uh, or that Quincy's done for him, um, um, is, is Wanna Be Starting Something. That's a fun record. That's a really, really fun record. Great way to start an album, too. If you really think about it, because Michael's um, albums, on, I don't know if he has a bunch of, like, amazing starter records i i would really have to go back and look at like his catalog to see like every first track but want to be starting something is probably his best starting song on an album i would i would say i gotta look back i i do um and i'm a huge fan i know there's some people in there like oh you don't know the starting song to blood on the dance floor or whatever like some <laughs> obscure more obscure michael record no i don't um but uh, but I do know the material pretty well. Moving on though, number five, one of my personal favorites that I think everyone should listen to as well. Earth song. Earth song is epic. Okay, that's one I'm not familiar with. Listen to that record. Earth song number five. Earth song is epic. Um, huge choir in the in the song. Um, just magnanimous the song is magnanimous it's huge it's big another thing that i like about michael that people don't talk about enough 
is that he's very he does a, he he has a lot of humanitarian songs and like planetary like planetary song like a lot of like I care about this and that and the reason why I me- want to mention is because Michaels is one of the biggest pop stars period he doesn't this is not something where you have to pander he doesn't Michael needs not pandering like this is not the eight like it's not like how it is now where like a lot of people will take like a cause and maybe like find some way to make money out of it. Michael's one of the biggest. He could just do dance records the whole his whole album, like, and people would be fine with it. He took the, he Michael will take the time and do more deeper songs. He'll do songs like Man in the Mirror. He'll do yep. songs like Earth Song where he's talking about the planet and what people have done to it and and how it's being destroyed and why don't we care? Like these are things that like a big pop star, the biggest pop star. These are things that are, don't have to be discussed, but he obviously cares about these things. Um, and I don't think people give Mike enough credit about him having like a big heart and uh, caring about not only people but um, just good causes in general. Um, so Earth Song's a really big one. Definitely recommend to listen. Very powerful record. Uh, my next one, number four. Uh, who is it? Uh, that's the name of the song. Who is it? That I believe is <laughs> shit. I think that's off of the. Let me check that real quick. Who is it? MJ. What album is that off of? That is off of the Dangerous album. Love. Who is it? Um, that's a dark record. Um, I like. Who is it? Who is it? Is a dark record. He's talking about how basically he's talking about lost love. Basically, I think the song is really about a woman that he's with. He, I think he notices she's found a new love, and I think she's like separating from him. And the song, he's like basically questioning, like who is it, and and talking about how he feels about it, and he's saying like he feels dead inside. It's, it's pretty. It's a it's a wild record. It's 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 a wow. uh, yeah. It's it's really deep. It's a deep record. Um, I haven't heard that one, so I'll have to ch- I'll have to check that one out. Another good record, um, number three. I love this. Re- I loved this record when I was a kid too. I love the music video. Leave me alone. I love leave me alone. Leave me I've alone. Heard about that one? Yeah, leave me alone. Um, that's that. That's the one. If you guys seen the music video for that, it's kind of like a clay, not claymation, but. It's almost like an animated like uh music video where like it's very like um it's really hard to explain. You'd really have to see it. Um you'd really have to see it to understand it. It's almost like clip art but like in motion. Um huh. that's why I wanted to say claymation, but it's not really claymation. It's more like clip art in motion. Um uh it was an old technique that people used in the 90s uh for certain like ads and commercials and things like that uh very cool very cool nice. music video but leave me alone is like a nice like bat like uh not ballad but like a big like he's got a lot of big vocals on on leave me alone um and i just love the and i like the meaning of the song too this is like when the paparazzi were killing michael killing yeah. him more in the sense yep. that he was just all over all the stupid tabloids and early on like he was getting smushes, but obviously, guys, before social media, so like, couldn't really complain about it in that way. So, like, he just made a song about it. Um, really strong song. Now, top two, number two, Billy Jean. Okay, everyone, everyone yeah, knows Billy Jean. Good pick. 
Everyone knows Billie Jean. That's off of the Thriller album, I believe, as well. Um, it's got to be one of the best bass lines of all time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it's the first song I fell in love with Michael Jackson with when I was a kid. I was probably like four or five or something. Uh, the music video was on the TV. My dad, uh, no, we were watching on on the TV, and I remember he was stepping on the concrete, and the the squares would light up at, on each step. And I remember telling my dad, I was like, "How is he doing that?" And I and I remember linking into my head, I was like, "It's the shoes. The shoes <laughs> is making the steps light up." And so I remember telling my dad, we get, "Can we get those shoes? Like, can we buy those shoes? I want those shoes." And so. Um, so that's a cute little like end up. But so Billy Jean is a great record. My number one, probably unexpected. Here we go. Number one, drum roll. Da, 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 da. <sighs> My number one is Remember the Times by Michael Jackson. Um I love the instrumental. This was uh Michael Jackson doing um New Jack Swing. Yep. Um Teddy Riley style. I loved everything he did vocally on it. It's a amazing dance record. Probably my <sighs> Billy Jean is so close, but like I think Remember the Time is probably my favorite dance record that Mike has. I believe that's uh, one that's uh, that's one of my favorites of his as well. I think we've connected on this before. I'm not sure if it was in one of your ITPNT episodes. Yeah, we might have, but uh, no, I I'm right there with you for that one. That's one of my favorites of his as well. So. Folks, if you haven't heard Remember the Time, uh, definitely check that out. And all the other songs that uh, Mr. Jala recommended. Uh, yes, because indeed. there's some classics. I will say, before we move on uh, from this dad break, mm-hmm. thank you very much for uh, putting that list together. I appreciate of course, it. Of course, uh, of course. The listeners are just uh, they're like, Salivating. wait a second, this isn't from the 60s. What's going on? <laughs> this, is a whole different, uh, this is a whole different ball game. But um, I think... I know this isn't a Michael Jackson song, but I'm going to sort of insert my own opinion here. Yeah, go And uh, make sure, folks, that you know the song I Want You Back by the Jackson 5. Mm, um, beautiful record. That is a phenomenal track. Um, I love Michael, is... young Michael's voice. I think young Michael's voice is probably my f- one of my favorite vocal sound, like, uh, vocalists, I think. Um, not to say I, that I, the the old Michael, I love old Michael vocals too. He created like a new way of singing when he became older, like that was different yeah. than a lot of people's. But young Michael's voice is like one of the purest sounding. Well, I'll say it. I, I prefer his voice and I want you back to anything he did as an adult. I understand. I understand. I understand. Boo. It. Boo. What, what the hell's wrong with this guy? <laughs> <laughs> this guy's evil. Uh, okay. Well, uh, cool. So now let's go in our time machine and get back to the 60s. Uh, Where the Jackson well, 5 was relevant, I think. Uh, 60s or 70s? I think so. I, I want to say 60s. Jackson oh. 5. Let's see. I'm, not, I'm doing too much research. Mid-episode, 64. 64. Uh, ABC is from 1970. Yeah. But their Shake years, your body. the years they were active is, uh, from what I'm seeing, is 1964. Oh, it was founded in 1964. But that's that's when Joe uh, was having <laughs> them rehearse in the garage. Yeah. And, oh god, whipping anyway. them in the shape, so to speak. <laughs> but, uh, 
Jeez. I know, I know, I know. You had to say whipping. Whipping them in the the shape. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. You you guys see, I'm sure, have we all seen the VH1 uh, documentary series? Did you see that, Mike? Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, There was like a, there was like a VH1, like, dramatization of, like, Michael's life. Um, I didn't see that, but as a kid, we did learn a lot about uh, Joe Jackson and uh, the stuff that went on there. Yo, Mike, you have to see the dramatization. It's amazing. Okay. You have um, to. I will try to find it for you. It's amazing. Put it in the links. Put it in the put I'm going to try notes. to find it. I'm going to try to find it. It's got to be on YouTube. Okay. It's got to be. It's okay. amazing. Uh, anyway. we're, off, we're off task a bit. <laughs> um, That's okay. Let's get back on. Okay. Uh, Jala's Fatherhood Corner. I, I need to know what you thought about the family dynamic at, at play in this episode. So Don, from a family uh, family perspective, you actually get a, more of a glimpse of his true family life as it stands. Episode one, it's really about Don doing Don. And you only know that there's a family there in the last two minutes, three minutes, whatever it is. Um, this episode, you get him interfacing with his wife having multiple conversations about, you know, you know, what's your past? Like, basically, I guess Peggy, or excuse me, uh, Betty starts off by saying, like, or one of the conversations that she has with Don that comes up during the the meal that they have with the Sterlings is, um, did you have a nanny? You know, did did you ever have a nanny? So there's a thing with Don's doing, when it's like a husband and wife thing, no, Betty Betty is really trying to um she wants to be let in. Like Don, even at the dinner, just has this wall up. And everyone notices he has the wall up. I mean nobody's saying that. I mean Sterling's like, you know, it'd be nice to know a little bit of you know, basically saying to him, it'd be nice to know kind of like what your situation was. And yeah. Don just kind of th- throws it off as like, ah, you know, it's not polite to you to talk about yourself, blah blah blah. Which is just his his way of trying to outsmart not talking about his childhood because his childhood is uh, one to be talked about, which will be happening soon. Um, but, um, yeah, Betty's trying to get let in. She wants to know a little bit about his background, and Don's just she's not really having it, um, which is not a good move. Like, husband and wife, the, the relationship, the connection, the family dynamic is dependent on communication. And... Um, when Don is not letting uh, Betty in with some simple questions about you know his childhood stuff, um, that's that's a that's a red flag. Yeah, sure is. Betty gets a lot of physical manis- manifestations from just not being let in, and um, it's tough. So like that that's that's one piece, and then Don you know goes back to his ways. Uh, you know he's he's always seeing Midge. He goes to Midge a lot of times when he's in, he's in flux. Like something at home is not jiving. He'll usually just run to Midge to like it's basically Midge is basically escapism for him. Yeah. Um, and um, rather than kind of kind of having that communicativeness with uh with 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 Betty, it's 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 uh becomes difficult. So that piece is difficult. Um. As far as as far as the office family, there's not a ton here. Um, Peggy, Don, and Pete's actually away 
Um, so he's not That's even. Right. Yeah, so he's not even. He's not even here. So we don't get that connection with with uh, Don and Peggy. Barely really speaks to Don in this episode, to be honest. So it's really about his relationship with uh, Betty and trying to figure out what Betty needs and coming to grips with the fact that she probably does need to speak with somebody. But the main piece that needs to be talked about is the communication and openness is a main factor in healthy relationship. And that's not really occurring. Um, And you really get to, you really get to see that in, uh, in, uh, in this episode. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, You know what else is that? The, the word of the day for this episode is, is obfuscation, uh, oh, yeah. which is it's my $10 word for the day. And uh, <laughs> Don is being evasive as all hell with every single, like, imagine talking to your partner and saying, did you have a nanny? And they don't say, oh, no, I didn't. I, uh, you know, I was raised by my parents. Instead, it's this weird chess match where he's like, oh, well, uh. Uh, I don't even remember what he says, but she basically Be- what 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 Betty guess. says. What Betty says is, so I I have to all I have to think, or basically all I have to think is your I I should thank your mom and dad for this for basically for 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 creating this man basically. And then Don says, uh, "This is like politics, yeah, religion, and sex. Why talk about it?" Right. That was his. That was Just, his. Like he 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 thought he was very slick. She wasn't. She it's wasn't clever. even having it. She wasn't even having it when he said. Like after that happened, she he, Don sleeping. She lays next to him. She's like, she's like, who is in there? Yeah, I mean, it's just sad too. But she here's the thing, Mike. I want to say is that communication. It's it's sad that she can't even feel safe enough to communicate with Don to say I want to know more about you. And the fact that you're not telling me these things is a red flag. Instead, she she it manifests in her hands and her body and her mind, and she instead of treating the situation, she has to talk to a the worst therapist or psychiatrist of all time who just sits there and stares at her. <laughs> this is that this is that old uh, and again it just shows the time period, uh, yeah, the the nineteen sixties and stuff. This this uh, this style of uh, of of therapy was very popular, which the Basically, you have a guy you don't look at, and you sit in a chair away from him, and you basically kind of spin in the thought, and they just capture everything you're saying. <laughs> um, and I'm, yeah. There's some pieces to that that I guess may be helpful, which is basically, um, this, is, this is no shade to, to different ther- uh, therapy styles. Um, there's, there's some helpfulness that comes into people kind of cycling through thoughts and trying to figure out things on their own without the therapist having to give them all the tips and tools and tricks and things like that. Cause a lot of times in therapy, um, it's a, it's a relationship that goes back and forth and you, you're kind of yeah. bouncing back and forth. But anyway, um, but this yeah. guy's scary. He's he is scary. very scary. He's a, he's a very scary <laughs> character. He's very, he's a very stoic guy. Doesn't say too much. Um, but uh, yeah, she can't. She can't come out to Don and say, "You should tell me a little bit of something about your, you know, about your childhood or about, or about something that, me. yeah, or something that that I don't know, like to you." So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting scene, and and yeah, like you said, a lot of that conflict just manifests in in uh, Betty physically. So 
Yeah. It's just sad. Yeah. Um, well, our last segment of, uh, of the episode is here. It's, uh, mod men. And I think we've already talked about this a lot, you know, how the issues in this episode are still on the pulse today. Uh, to be honest, yeah, I think we've already covered this pretty much, you know, mental health is serious and, uh, it is true that if you don't get, you know, if you don't take care of your, your brain, like any other body part, uh, it it can start to fail you, you know? And, uh, um, I would like to take this second to say that, uh, this maybe seems like me being on a soapbox and Hey, maybe I am. You can't see me. Uh, (laughs) You look a little bit taller actually. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, I, I do want to say that if, if it, it can be hard to find someone to talk to, but um, a friend of mine recently took that first step to, you know, find a a therapist, and yes. I'm very proud of her. And, um, you know, it's it's just really hard for people to say like I'm going to take that first step and find this person because it's it's so scary to go, all mm-hmm. right, I'm going to start to reveal these things I've never said out loud to someone else. Right, but right. The, the thing that I would just say is uh, it's worth it, folks. It's really it worth, it, worth it. And um, I started going to therapy in 2017. And I, we, we talked to counselors when we were kids because my parents were divorcing. And um, I had a negative preconception about counselors after that. Yeah. Uh, but life just got so unbearably hard for me that I was like, well, shit, like I've tried so many things and I really think I need to tell someone these things I'm thinking because otherwise I'm going to explode. Yeah, you know? it, uh, it gets it gets it starts to fill the mind space and it's hard to do regular things when your head is full of all these thoughts and yeah. cycling things. Absolutely. And I, I'll say that for me. The first time I did, it wasn't even like a real session. It was a, uh, it was like a tryout run where she, this therapist offered a, like, uh, I don't know what you would call it, but like when, when you have someone who, who wants to work with you, but they're meeting you and seeing if you vibe, yeah. you know, you'd call that. Um, it's like but an introduction, we were, but, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was this moment like halfway through the session where I told her something I had only ever thought out in my head mm-hmm. and said it out loud. And I literally like the tears just started coming out of my eyes out of nowhere. Like it was a physical reaction. Yeah. Yeah. And it felt so, it was a relief to say it out loud. And it was a relief to have someone look at me and not like, you know, make me feel bad about having those thoughts. That's the thing about (laughs) therapy. That's the thing about the, the, the therapist, or I should say a a good therapist is that they, they really, they allow this space to basically let you express or release or speak whatever you need to speak in the room without having without having some like um, call to action. Like they don't, yeah. they don't. There's there doesn't need to really be a call to action. Like it's almost allowing that energy in the room, acknowledging it, and then following the that path you know following down that path and seeing where you seeing where it goes um it's a it's a beautiful process i i I really am a huge fan huge fan and uh they're like a respectful third party that's different than a family member or a friend because naturally our family members and friends might want to try to fix what we're going through exactly Um, 
Or they might try to placate when they really are thinking another thing secretly because they don't want to hurt us. But exactly. This, this, this third party can offer us just a sounding board where they don't even give us tips. Or they might say, have you tried this? And then mm-hmm. I'll be like, I never could have thought of that on my own. And none of the resources I was using before could have offered me that info. Exactly. You know? So my message to the people listening to this is if you're going through a hard time and, hey, who isn't right now? Things are... Uh, Things were a little strange. Yeah. Uh, you know, Still making our way out. Yeah, but there's nothing wrong with uh, finding a counselor, therapist, psychiatrist, psychologist, whatever whatever you need. Um, and, you know, that's what the mod meant about this episode is for me, is that um, it's, it's important to get to take care of yourself, whether that's seeing a psychiatrist, psychologist, whatever, or journaling or exercising or... Yeah, yeah. Um, Whatever makes you feel better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm with it, man. Episode two in the books. The ladies' room. And it's we should say that we're recording this the day before Mother's Day. Oh, snap. That was (laughs) snap. The ladies' room, you know? That's kind of cool. That Uh, is very cool. I like that. I like that. All right. Well, uh, thank you all for taking this journey with us. And next week's episode, we're going to give you a little tease for next week's episode. The third episode, I believe, is called Marriage in Figaro. Marriage of Figaro. Yeah, Marriage of Figaro. Figaro. Thank you. And it was written by uh, Tom Palmer and directed by Ed Bianchi. Ah, Okay, so uh, we're getting a new writer in this episode. Yes, and uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but um, a few different characters are going to come back that we liked from the pilot. So take care of yourself, have a good week, and uh, remember... The medium is the message. Signing off. This has been a Destiny Park Media production. If you like the show, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. For more content, you can follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. We're going to be posting video clips of your favorite podcasts, as well as glimpses at new music. And hey, drop us a line or send any questions you might have to destinyparkmedia at gmail.com.